every woman has a birth story to tell. This podcast is our birth story. The birth story of how each of us became midwives. Our journey to midwifery. I'm your host, Amber Wilson, a doctor midwife. And each episode, I'll take you on another journey to hear the stories of midwives all across the globe. Listen to each tell the story of their personal journey. Listen to the words of how each was birthed into the field of midwifery and listen to the stories of trials and tribulations along the way and the love and passion each holds for midwifery. Today, we are interviewing Lori, a certified nurse midwife who's been practicing for many, many, many years, and I am excited to share her story. So Lori, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, Amber. Nice to chat with you. So um, I am a retired certified nurse midwife uh, as of two years ago, happily so. I had a 40-year career. Uh, my journey started um, in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan um, in Canada. And when I graduated from high school, my mother encouraged me to go abroad to study. I was post-war baby and there was no money to send all my large family to university in Canada. So I went abroad at age 17. In 1971, I started at the Royal uh, Infirmary in Aberdeen, Scotland. My uh, nurse, my registered general nurse training was um, three-year duration. And I followed that with my uh, nurse midwifery education at the maternity hospital there in Aberdeen. And at that point, uh, nursing candidates were selected from the registered general nursing pool and offered spot in the nurse midwifery program. And that program was a 19-month course and, uh, that I that I did there um, at the maternity hospital, and I followed it up with doing a fellowship uh, in NICU, which was fascinating, cutting edge. At that time, we were actually saving babies that were 31 weeker. That was amazing. Mm -hmm. And then I followed that training with um, a secondment to district. And I have to say public health and the district experience is my true passion. Um, even though I spent the next bulk of my career doing full scope nursing for care. So after uh, I came back to Canada, my first job was in Fort Good Hope in the Northwest Territories, and I ran a nursing station there and uh, did a few births, but it was a very small rural village. So mostly the women were transported out near their due dates for safety. And uh, when I left um, Fort Good Hope, went back to my hometown and practiced briefly at the university hospital there in the NICU and in the library delivery suite uh, prior to getting married. And once I was married, I uh, moved to the United States of America and I lucked into a job for, for the federal government working for the feds in West Virginia program called Improved Pregnancy Outcome, a generously funded program that was the um, the baby of the governor at that time, Jay Rockefeller, and he really felt strongly that the um, 
maternal morbidity and mortality statistics and infant and maternal statistics were so shocking in his state that he wanted to be instrumental in making improvements. So I worked at that job five years, just a golden job for a young nurse midwife. Mm-hmm. After that, um, I moved to Philadelphia because as a foreign trained nurse midwife, I had to do an internship in order to do full scope nurse midwifery practice. So I did that at Booth Maternity Hospital, just a wonderful time in my life. And then I moved here to Virginia, where I've been ever since. Mm-hmm. I didn't get a warm reception from the private practices, OBGYN practices in this community. So it was actually the Lelechi League ladies that approached me and said, you know, we hear you're a midwife and we really need a midwife. And um, so I started a home birth practice and um, delivered over a thousand babies or approximately a thousand babies in the larger tidewater area. Wow. So over the next 10 years. And then um, uh, I decided to come into the fold <laughs> and I went to work for um, private OBGYN hospital-based practice. And I stayed at that practice for the next 25 years, the last five of which I just did APGYN, PP. Uh, and uh, my focus was on postmenopausal women at that time. And that was um, the arc of my career, and now I'm happily retired. I do miss my patients, but I don't miss the direction that Nurse Midwifery was taking in the job that I held, in that they insisted on referring to me as a physician extender. I was mm-hmm. a resentful about that, I have mm-hmm. to admit, because I feel strongly that nurse midwives should identify themselves as full-scope independent practitioners, and that we should own the fact that we are experts in normalcy. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but that we um, are really the only clinicians that are um, emphasizing the normal physiology of childbirth. And um, that's incredibly important to me, that nurse midwives continue to be the experts in that area. The other thing I want to share with experienced nurse midwives is the importance of not only teaching their patients, but in teaching students as well. I think if nurse midwives are learning their craft from OBGYNs, they're not learning how to be uh, a nurse midwife that respects normal physiology. So that's kind of how I think about my career now that it's over. How I would like to see nurse midwifery go in the future is to be more um, more independent. Uh, we've always been the uh, most evidence-based clinician, um, even though. We don't always have that reputation. Mm-hmm. Uh, nurse midwifery has always prided itself on on really being knowledgeable about what is truthful and what is rubbish in in conducting our practices. Mm-hmm. I love hearing your story, and I love hearing your perspective on the other side. 
I feel like I can give you some reassurance that those of us newer to the field are definitely fighting that fight as far as educating on what, how important it is that we are independent and that we're respected as such and that we have the knowledge and the skill to practice and provide safe, normal deliveries. So I wish that it wasn't still a battle as it was when you started this many years later. Well, I really hear what you're saying, Amber, and I'm so, um, I'm so happy that our profession has decided to take a PhD track because mm-hmm. I do think the way to preserve our dignity and respect in our profession is to be able to point to our accomplishments academically and, and you're um, a shining light to me. Oh, but thank you. Bill says to me sometimes, you should go back into your PhD and I just <laughs> quake and pale at the thought. Yeah, and no. <laughs> I, I sleep all night and um, play like a child. <laughs> yeah. You have worked hard. You earned your retirement. Enjoy it. Yeah, I feel like it's nice to sleep all night. Although right at this moment, I'm on call for a niece who is about to have a baby in Massachusetts. So oh. not be her caregiver, but, you know, we call it babycation in our family. Yeah. Apparently all the girls in the family think they can't do this without Auntie Lori there. I don't blame them. <laughs> so I do have a few questions to, to augment your story. Um, what made you, I know you said your mother encouraged you to go away for school, but what made you decide on the path of midwifery? So I, I wish I could say it was because I was a 17-year-old that had passion, but that's mm-hmm. simply not true. I was a very immature 17-year-old, and it was really my mother that steered me. And her reason was because the Second World War came along and derailed her plan to be a nurse. Mm-hmm. And so she had this house full of children, and for some reason she identified me as the one that she wanted to carry out her dream. Her path was amazing, though, because she joined the Air Force and, um, you know, was um, instrumental in getting planes to um, bomber pilots overseas. So she had an important role to play, but she always felt like she'd missed the boat in nursing. So so that that was really why it was my mother's vision. (laughs) But it's worked out very well for me. And I did have a passion for wellness and for healing. So um, it worked out perfectly. My mother was very wise, is very wise at 96. Wow. What would you say kept you going through all the struggles and the, and the, you know, adversities? What, what drove you to continue to stay in the field of midwifery? That's a really good question. Um, What drove me was many times just stubbornness mm-hmm. not to be um, see my profession subsumed by um, medical bullies mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I really I really had a strong passion to um, make sure that women had access to nurse midwifery care and to respectful care that didn't tell them how to have their babies I love that um, and I know you have children that are grown now, but at the time when you were practicing and they were young, how did you balance being a mom with young kids and being a midwife? 
Well, as you know, that's incredibly challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's one of the reasons that I treasure so much my retirement um, because I, I really just burned the candle at both ends for 40 years. Mm-hmm. So, um, so my children, I have a, my eldest is a 35-year-old daughter, and she says every holiday was characterized by them keeping um, celebrations on hold until I got home from a birth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope that's not true, but that's her, that's her view. Yeah. It's so special that they have you now. Yes, I'm so happy to have time now for my grandchild who lives in Rhode Island mm-hmm. and for my kids to help them achieve their career goals mm-hmm. will help from me. When you changed from home birth to private practice, what was your drive driving reason to make that change? Uh, I had had a year and a half away from the Tidewater when my husband uh, was doing uh, a fellowship in medical ethics. Mm-hmm. And so while I was away in Chicago, I worked with another nurse midwife and we did home births in the Chicago area, which was wonderful. Um, just a wonderful experience. It was so nice to be treated in Illinois like a participant in the healthcare delivery system rather than as, um, you know, a disrespected nurse midwife in Mm -hmm. Virginia. Mm -hmm. So anyway, while I was there, I really saw the advantage of having a nurse midwife partner with whom to share a call. Mm -hmm. So it was really about having an opportunity to share some call time. But as life happens, I didn't really have anyone to share a call with because when I went into private practice, the area of interest that I carved out for myself was to continue to offer women, um, you know, non-medicated, non-intervention type deliveries in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And so I was still on call 24-7. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was okay. At least I had uh, a ready team of OBGYNs that I could call on. Uh, for those 12% of cases that you end up having to refer. Yeah. That is so many years to be the sole person on call 24 hours. Yes. It was a huge responsibility. That is a fast track to feel burnt out, I think. <laughs> well, Definitely. Yeah. I, I, uh, I didn't really suffer, luckily, from burnout because my patients kept me going. There was yeah. really... So few people in the Tidewater at that time that um, that had an interest in providing care for women that wanted natural childbirth. Yeah. So um, that's what kept my passion going was my patience. Do you remember about how many births you did doing home birth when you were alone? Like per month, about how many? About 12 a month. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Lori, you're a superhero. I was a busy girl and I didn't oh get Oh, my gosh. And I'm also an expert on uh, wrangling a baby when you're doing a birth because, you know, sometimes the childcare was my biggest hurdle to get over. Yeah, I was going to ask that. Delivering baby was the easiest part of my job because the mom did most of the work, almost all the work. The hardest parts of my job was 
figuring out how to keep the home fires burning, how to have everybody uh, where they needed to be, all the mm -hmm. children attended to. And also, you have to understand this was before cell phones and before um, direction finders in your vehicle. So mm -hmm. just keeping in touch with my patient in, from a domiciliary point of view and then finding my patient in a rainstorm in the middle of the night so I had my challenges, particularly when I moved to Chicago. I am a small town girl. Yeah. So that was a learning, a steep learning curve for me, finding my way around the um, Chicago area. Wow. Laura, you are amazing. <laughs> Did you bring your baby to, to birth sometimes? I, I had, sometimes I just had to, especially mm -hmm. holiday babies. It's really hard to get child care on holidays. Mm -hmm. But um, with my third baby, my children are five years apart i have three mm -hmm. children five years apart and the reason for that was because it was so hard yeah <laughs> but uh with the third baby i was generating enough income by that point that um i had uh in-home child mind okay I, I have a lot of opinions about child minding too because um just because somebody's in your home doesn't mean it's better than a daycare center there's pluses and minuses and you know I went down that road also trying to figure out the safest best um, way to have my children cared for when I wasn't with them. Mm -hmm. did you ever feel like walking away from midwifery because of these feeling conflicted as a mom and as a care provider I was just too darn stubborn I come from a family of working women you know my mom uh, as I said, joined the Air Force during the Second World War. Mm -hmm. and, and the sense, I think particularly in America, was that women should get themselves back into the home after mm -hmm. the war. Whereas in Canada, you know, my mother in particular felt strongly that she had something more to offer than just to be in the home. So all through the 1950s when I was growing up, my mom was a working mom. She was... Um, she was a journalist, and um, both my sisters are journalists. My sister is now retired as well, but she worked for 40 years for NBC. Read mm -hmm. the evening news at 5 and 6 and went back in at 10. So she worked her, her baby care, her children's care around her job. Mm -hmm. So I think, and now my nieces, same kind of mindset. We all feel like, um, you know, you have to find a way to have a career and to raise children. And I'm not saying it's easy. Yeah, it's not. You know. <laughs> um, what would you say to somebody that wants to be a midwife today? What kind of advice would you offer for them? I would say if they have a passion for helping women maintain their wellness, and if they have a passion to see the way we give medical care change in this country, then they should absolutely put their energy into nursing and nurse midwifery. Okay. And I have a, a question I like to discuss for, for people coming into midwifery. Um, we talk about different areas of practice and things like that. Obviously, the answer is very different for you because you were uh, had tons of experience. But for somebody practicing in Virginia or maybe specifically in our area that was graduating from midwifery school, 
could you give them advice on what they should look for as far as salary and like a, I shouldn't take less than amount, just an average, if you have an opinion on this. Right. For a full-time, full-scope nurse midwife, mm-hmm. they should should start at 65000 not a penny low. Okay. Um, I think that's kind of low. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and, I, and I have to admit, Amber, I'm ignorant about that. That's okay. Okay. My final salary after being in my private practice for 25 years was 100 thousand dollars okay and and i was happy with that and one reason i was happy was with that was because i wasn't doing full scope in the last five years yeah and the very day and that wasn't my choice the very day they squeezed me out of the case room one of the doctors came to me and said so you know i think we should put you on productivity now and i said hold your horses i wanted to go on productivity when i was doing bulk of the deliveries in this practice and you wouldn't discuss it with me I think we'll leave my salary exactly where it is and furthermore I think I'm going to start taking Wednesdays off mm-hmm. <laughs> so so um so I think I'm very un- I think I am ignorant and unrealistic about what people earn starting out now yeah but um I do know that my daughter-in-law who's a single mom is unable to run a household and she makes $45,000 a year. So I certainly think that, you know, for an, a nurse midwife should be able to run a house, head of a household on her independent salary. I don't really have a realistic idea of what that number is. Yeah, and that's okay. I didn't, I didn't know if you'd have an answer because you've been yeah. doing it for so long, you may not know. Yes. But I, I would say from what I know, if you start in a private practice, it's it's going to be higher than the number you gave. Well, nationwide, and so it should be. So I'm very happy to hear that. Ed. Yeah, but I think home birth in general, from what I understand, is around the range you said. So that's just a little different, right? You know, sport, I guess. <laughs> well, and it's a huge privilege to work for yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, there's obvious drawbacks to that. Yeah, working, running your own small business is an interesting experience just in and of itself yeah and i would think empowering oh very empowering i had on my staff i had three registered nurses mm-hmm. and um one has passed away but i'm still pals with the other two, two nurses and you know we spent a lot of time together and had many um wonderful and terrifying experiences together <laughs> Yeah. And women like you, you know, I, I said this about some of my other instructors when I was in school, you really blaze your trailblazers that you did all that by yourself. I don't know if many would take that on now. That's huge. Right. Well, and I do think many women are taking it on because even though I don't participate in my chapter anymore, I still get the missives from our Virginia chapter. Mm-hmm. And they sound like women of great energy and, and intelligence and determination to me from what I can see, you know, they are somewhat having to reinvent the wheel, but isn't that always going to be the case? It seems like it. Yeah. Well, I love hearing your story. I've heard it before, but I could probably hear it 20 times. 
it's so inspirational and I love that we can share your story on the end of the, your career, the end of your journey for other people to hear. Oh. Um, so my last question is all that you've gone through, is it worth it? Would you do it again? Uh, that, that's also a very difficult question. The path not taken. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I don't have regrets because I, it was, you know, there's nothing more amazing than helping family bring a child into the world. Mm-hmm. Such an enormous privilege. Um, so, so, yes, I think I'm very satisfied with the life I've led. Well, good. I'm glad to hear that. You're an amazing woman and an inspiration. Oh, thanks so much, Amber. You inspire me. I love oh, to thank you. your story. Thank you. I'm honored to hear that from you. All right, Lori, thank you for chatting with us today. And I'm so happy your baby stayed asleep through our whole conversation. Me too. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks so much. Wow, what an amazing journey to midwifery we just heard from Lori. She was such a trailblazer. Being the sole home birth midwife in the Tidewater area of Virginia took so much dedication and passion. I hope you found Lori's story inspirational and motivational. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast episode, please take a moment to give it a five-star review as it really helps the journey to midwifery keep up and running. And if you're listening and want to share your journey, or if you know a midwife that would love to share their story, please reach out to me on Instagram or Facebook. My username is midwife dot mommy don't forget the dot i would love to hear the story of every midwife all types all over the world if you're catching babies in the busy hospitals of virginia or the quiet living rooms of new mothers i want to hear from you